evening, and welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about how comics and pop culture impact life and society, and vice versa. Coming to you from the Zoom tree fort of solitude deep in the heart of Texas, I'm Kevin. And from Indianapolis, I am Sean. And before we get started with this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And follow us on social media at Caption Life on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Reddit. You can also find more information and past episodes about us at thecaptionlife.com. Hey, and this is a very special episode of the podcast. Uh, it, as you may know, this past weekend, the release of the most recent MCU movie of Phase 4, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, because we are movie geeks, we're comic book movie uh, geeks especially, uh, we really wanted to discuss this with everyone uh, about the movie, about our reaction to it, what it means for the future of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get started, we do have a special guest reviewer on our show. You may remember her from way back... Episode 40, which was just a few weeks ago. Uh, and we brought her on her, our, on our show to talk about her webcomic, Ever Present. And we enjoyed having her on the show so much that we've extended uh, another invitation for her to come back. And let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the movie. So please welcome Miss Molly Farnsley. Hi, thank you for inviting me back. Yeah, definitely. We enjoyed having you on. So we want to make sure we brought you back again. So awesome. You're like the sister that we never knew we wanted. Even right. better. <laughs> So let's talk about Shang-Chi. Uh, I actually had the chance to uh, go see it yesterday uh, on my way home from visiting my in-laws. Uh, it's about a two and a half hour drive to my in-laws house. And we found a movie theater that had is actually a big movie theater in a college town uh, on the way that uh, we got to go see the movie for like five dollars and 50 cents. Oh, nice. Which is like... That still like, exists? Yeah, it's crazy. It was like paying Iron Man prices for, for Shang-Chi, right? Like, it's, it's been such a long time. But I don't oh, know if man. it was a discount, a discount Monday or just because it was a matinee or whatever. But yeah, and it was like the big theater with the, like, the luxury recliners and everything. It was right. like... It was it was just a, a lucky Warm. circumstances and and we got to go see it yesterday afternoon and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. We'll get we'll get into uh, what we thought about the film, but what what about you guys, Sean? I know you've seen it multiple times at this point. Uh, yeah, I saw it like when it first came out because I actually I I, I started um, I became a movie reviewer for a website called ComicWatch.com, um, and so they wanted me to write a review on the movie and wanted it like pretty uh, quickly since it was coming out. So I saw it Thursday night by myself. And then I saw it Friday night with uh, my wife and my son. And then Saturday night was, you know, just me and my son. Cause my wife was uh, hanging out with her friends. And so he wanted to go see uh, Shang-Chi again. So we, saw it for a second time for him, third time for me. So, and I, I thought it was really, really well done. It was a, like a pleasant surprise for me. It was just really unexpected. Like I, I've heard like good things about it. Um, but I think what I really loved about it is the fact that I didn't really read any of the Shang-Chi comics growing up. And so I didn't know a whole lot about him, but after watching the movie, I was like, I wished I read the comics growing up because this sounds like a great story. I wish I had seen Simu Liu who plays Shang-Chi in other films and TV mm-hmm. shows. Cause I've never seen him in anything before this. And I just thought he did such a fantastic job with that role that I'm like, I'm going to go back and see what else he's been in. So I, I thought it was really great. I gave it, you know, a, a nine out of 10. And, and even then, you know, the nine was just something that um, I think was just more of like artistic difference in that I, probably would have changed something with it, but I thought it was just a great film. It's probably going to be, in my opinion, one of the best films that they have in phase four and maybe, you know, even longer too. So I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it was definitely a really good, um, jumping off point for a new character. It's Mm -hmm. an interesting way to, to introduce a, a character that's, you know, they've, they've actually taken some big risks over the years. Like even starting with Iron Man at the mm-hmm. time, Iron Man was thought to be like a, a tertiary character. He wasn't Spider-Man. He wasn't the X-Men. Right. Do you know why they picked him? By the way, side oh, note. Go ahead. Yeah, no. yeah. The Marvel MCU makers that be, they wanted to make and start. And so they went and got a bunch of toys, Spider-Man, Hulk, Iron Man, put them in front of kids and say, which toy is coolest, which you want to play with. And they always gravitated toward Iron Man. Like, well, he can shoot like rockets off his arm. And that's just so cool. And they were like, then we're going to do this because we can merchandise it. (laughs) But that's how it started. I mean, that's one of the enduring 
That's one of the things that endures Batman's popularity is mm-hmm. the fact that yeah. every time there's a Batman movie come out, there's 150 different versions of of the that toy. That's true. So I will say with Shang Chi, like I was like, I kind of want to cosplay this. Like this is cool. I want the ten rings. Like you know, I really want to see. I want to see cosplay happen anyway, like of this character, because mm-hmm. like I can see merchandise happening. Oh, yeah. This. I've seen some action figures and stuff in the stores. I think it's unfortunate the way that the films have been delayed, because I think mm. toys, yeah. toys have been released for it. And there hasn't been enough fanfare mm-hmm. surrounding the film in order for the toys to like, you know, like every time I go to Target or okay. Walmart, they're still on the shelf. Um, mm-hmm. And as a collector of action figures, um, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to like not like break the bank and buy everything there was. So I was like, okay, well, if they're still here, I'll get one after the movie comes out and I check it out and I like it. So, yeah, I definitely have to go check that out soon. Oh, yeah. Riley's already asking to get uh, Sung Chi action figures for his birthday. And awesome. apparently we also found out that they have um, and this kind of goes without warning, like since we're talking about the movie, there's going to be spoilers in this episode. So if you haven't mm-hmm. watched the movie, please go watch it, then listen to this. But mm-hmm. um, we also found out that uh, Target sells like a plush of Murray or uh, Morris, the okay. little yeah. math- mystical creature. That- <laughs> that's that's yeah. Hilarious. So, of course, you know, that's a hit with kids and everything. And, you know, they're you know banking money off of that, just like, you know, how they created Baby Yoda for the Mandalorian mm-hmm. and everything. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine yeah. snuggling, I, snuggling the furry butt pig? <laughs> like that's the best way I can describe it. The winged, winged I furry butt pig. Today, today that was that Morris is like an actual Chinese, like mythological creature as are the nine tailed foxes and the head dragon head horses. Mm-hmm. And the, the, they're called foo dogs, those giant lion looking thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? I didn't know that. I just thought you like came up with these sort of things. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I, not Pokemon. All right, cool. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of people confuse it. The uh, I think the creatures with some Pokemon creatures, or I think Yu Gi Oh is is a sound yes. that they said. But yeah, from what I've read and heard, like I'm not um, too familiar with um, Asian culture either. But from what I've read and heard, that does draw in a lot of the Asian culture, and so these are things that are straight from you know their traditional stories and their you know mystical culture that. Yeah, cool. yeah, and yeah. I think it's really neat, and, and I know that's. They said like you know this is why they really enjoy this is because this is something that is um, a lot more authentic than some of the other movies that feature Asian Americans and martial arts and things like that. So oh yeah, and which you might get into later, uh, but I'm very curious China's reaction to this movie and like are they going to like it? Do they feel like it's too Americanized, Westernized? Mm-hmm. Do they feel like it represented yeah. them well? You know, I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. I definitely wanted to get into that, um, discussing the, it's how they, how they market it to foreign countries, especially yeah. in Asia. Yeah. But I, I think the, the stuff about the, the mysticism, uh, the cultural mysticism, uh, like that, that they buy, that they are, are selling with this, um, like the mythology, that they that they've included mm-hmm. in this, I think that's a it's a it's a deep well that they can draw from that mm-hmm. most uh, let's say Westerners aren't familiar with these these stories, and we're we're familiar with traditional fantasy characters, you know, elves, hobbits, and orcs, and this and the such. But this mm-hmm. this I think provides uh, a new kind of um, like subgenre to play with. And I think it's, it's cool that they introduce that stuff. Like the point that I was making about how they, they took a risk to introduce a new character. That's probably even less known than mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. like Iron Man or, um, I did not know who Shang-Chi right. was. I knew of the Mandarin because of like Iron mm-hmm. Man three right. and how that got debauched, which I loved you know, spoilers that Trevor came back and kind of, Oh had my a, gosh. Well, yeah. I, that was <laughs> I knew about, I knew about the dragon, Fin Fang Foom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's who that was, but he's always been a villain kind of sort of, right. but I mean, I really, really love dragons. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to know about the mm-hmm. dragon in, in the Marvel uh, stories. But yeah, I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But that's yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Yeah. Either. And I think, I think that where they went with all of that, um, they did a great job of introducing this new character and uh, telling a different kind of story, a, 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 a very kung fu movie. Like it's very, it's very um, hand to hand combat heavy, but then also 
tying it into the universe that these characters already exist in with with a couple of with a couple of characters also i love that they used wong as the connection to the rest of the mcu yeah. rather than depending on one of the other big name avengers in order to like make a cameo this they did the same thing with um with black widow they let her stand on her own they didn't you didn't need steve to show up or or you didn't need another avenger to legitimize her and i think they did the same thing here um and including wong into um the story because he's a is such a great character on his own anyway Mm -hmm. um but but b it gives i think it also gives um them another opportunity to showcase um more uh, Asian talent, more talent that that you yeah. wouldn't normally get exposed to. Right. Yeah. I've heard that that actor Shang Chi or someone was in um, uh, Crazy Rich Crazy Rich Asians, which I heard is a very so good. So Aquafina uh, is in Crazy Rich Asians, mm-hmm. and okay, um, Ronnie Chang, who plays um, the club promoter friend with the funny hairdo, Got he's it. a comedian. He he does a lot of work on The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in Crazy Rich Asians as well. And then Michelle Yeoh, who plays the aunt, right? She's in Crazy Rich Asians as well. Um, nice. Tony, but, I think it's she played the aunt or she played the mother. No, she plays the aunt in in um, in this movie, the one that. The, the, oh, in, I see. But she plays she plays um, the main character's mother in Crazy right. Rich Asians. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I got I got flipped on that. So I, I thought you're yeah. Okay, and I'll and then you. I read yesterday afternoon. That um, and I had seen a video somewhere, like, but I didn't want to watch it ahead of time. It was like introducing, and I want to say it's pronounced Lung or Leung, um, who, Tony Leung, who plays mm-hmm. um, the plays uh, his dad Wu Wen Wu Wen Wu, yeah, Wen-Wu. plays Shang Chi's Shang Chi's dad um, is a huge star in mm-hmm. Hong Kong, like a huge action star yes. in Hong Kong, but. He he's never been in an English speaking movie. This was his first English speaking role, and oh wow! And he's always been able to speak English. He's just right. never had to for a movie because most of the movies he's made have been in Hong well, Kong. He nailed yeah. it. You can tell that guy like owned that role. He and I believed him one hundred percent when he's on screen. I was like, kind of always had that sense of oh, I'm kind of scared of you, man. Yeah. Like, and, how's this gonna and, go? <laughs> and the way he that the it. way that he played the multiple arcs of his character from yes. warlord. Yes. To, um, to like falling in breathing, love, breathing widower, yeah, right. to, like, to, through oh, grief, and yes. then back so to bad guy, and then ultimately sort of re- redemptive. Um, mm-hmm. And and you buy into Spoilers, all of it because yeah, because it's human emotion. Died. Yeah, the human emotion of it all. You buy yeah. into it because you understand. Like if you love somebody, you understand his plight to try to to re mm-hmm. um, to to reunite with his his dead wife, um, and it and it really does you. I mean, it's hard for any of us to imagine being a warlord. I would imagine, but like, <laughs> but you understand. I think I about just, it all the time. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. Marvel has gotten so good in the past several years of giving us villains that you can really relate with mm-hmm. you know it's we've come a long way from Malekith in Thor 2 right you know like who I don't even remember his motivations he was like I like darkness because mm-hmm. it's cool or something yeah. now we've got like you know grieving mm-hmm. her man who wants to see his wife again You're like oh how are you gonna convince him otherwise you know right. I remember thinking like this is gonna go sideways really fast because I can kind of get Behind this guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, and I love the the character development, and just how they wrote him because he's not that typical villain. And I know we talked about how Thanos is one of those villains where you can kind of you uh, empathize a little bit, and that's not just like black and white like Malekith like that you talked about. Um, yeah. But I think with this with uh, with Win Wu, it's just it's just fascinating because he has all of those roles and all of those layers that he just does a great job of portraying. That you kind of see the journey and how he went from warlord to someone who honestly and truly tried to change his ways to now he re, you know he jumped back into what he knew before and just you know that's how he's coping and grieving and everything. And so it was just really fascinating. And the guy is fifty nine years old. Like, what? yes, he is fifty nine. No, I, I he is fifty nine years old. 
not to lean into the stereotypes, but man, Asian people just do not it, age. Like it is all. just amazing. Like yeah. I would never Blessing. have guessed that, you know, because I thought no. him and and seemingly you was was not like you know at the same age, but I thought they were like closer than that. And, and seemingly mm-hmm. was uh, I think thirty two. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a twenty seven year gap. He looks yeah. He looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And wow. and speaking of seemingly. Um, he plays on the show. My wife discovered this show during quarantine, uh, Kim's Convenience, and yes. it's available here on Netflix because it's a Canadian sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just started watching that too. It's really, really funny, and you really, really yeah. identify with the like the characters, like the especially because it's about it's about adult kids and their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I was into, like, I, I didn't, I mean, they were probably already finished filming Shang-Chi before, um, I got into Kim's convenience, but the, the way that, that they portray like a character that you can relate to on that show really, I really bought into, um, to him as a, as a, an actor. And then also his, his character Shang-Chi is also very, very relatable because, you know he's he he's been americanized from living in the united states for such a long time right. but mm-hmm. he's also like a bona fide heartthrob like he's a total mm-hmm. stud um <laughs> oh he's he's a good looking dude <laughs> he's a good looking dude wow yeah I'll, okay. I'll be honest like i used to have like a man crush on jason momoa but like seemingly you is, <laughs> is probably my new one now cuz i'm just like i just want to see him in everything now cuz he just he did a great job with mm-hmm. his acting with his stunts and martial arts like he just floored me ah. with his talent mm-hmm. i was just like i need to like see him in everything now so and, yeah, and on that note the the choreography in this oh, movie is the best i've seen in a long time yes. that whole bus scene was just a work of art yeah and i remember I need to watch this scene again later when I get home because it is mind blowing. It is like, I got to tell you with martial arts choreography, a lot of times it's just like, you know, pump up the action so much. But what I love about this movie is just like what you said, Molly, is that they combined it so well with, it's not just martial arts with, um, with, you know, between when and Lee, but also when you see it later on with when and Shang Chi, when they do kind of similar moves, but they tie in like a lot of like the grace and beauty of it that it, it romanticizes yeah. it and it tells a story almost with the choreography. I've never seen that in martial arts uh, choreography yeah. or anything. I just I was just so mesmerized by it. I just like it just draws you in, it sucks you in. It was just so good. I agree with you 100. Like percent Yeah, honestly, it really did feel like it. It looked like a dance. It wasn't just movements quick here and there with the camera being barely able to keep up or whatever. Right. Like I was mesmerized by what I was seeing and it was just and with the rings as well that was a really nice addition yes. to it and you know really cemented what these are what they can do mm-hmm. like the threat from them so yeah they the, the cinematography and choreography together made something quite beautiful yeah. I'll, I'll even say this about um, about his performance and the, and the fight choreography one of the things I think you have to realize like watching this film versus other Marvel films mm-hmm. is that Simu uh, or Shang-Chi doesn't have a, a CGI costume that they can hide him behind. Right. He's not he's not in a suit of armor. He's not wearing a mask or has long hair to hide behind like a stunt double. That's mm-hmm. him. Yes. Like that's that's him. It's he's all doing stunts. all of that. And he was a, he was a he was mm-hmm. the stunt performer even before this. He was a Interestingly enough, he was a, a stunt performer and uh, a model for stock images. Apparently, yeah. you can go Google search <laughs> and find stock images of him. Oh, um, well, he's tweeted a couple of them. Okay. Like he's, he says, like here's here's a picture of me with some of my friends laughing at people thinking the movie was going to flop, and it's a stock photo that he did like way early yes. in his career. Awesome. Yeah, oh yeah, his Twitter oh, is fantastic. Like yeah. you, you go to the well, flex, you, go to, you go to Walgreens and you're like, I'm going to buy this new. Um, this new like p- picture frame from Walgreens and it's got a picture of him in it. It just doubles as a Shang-Chi poster. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, like I, I think it's great that it's, it's the type of movie it's, you know, it's a big budget action spectacular, but it isn't mm-hmm. the kind of traditional thing that, that you can create. There's a lot of CG involved in that bus scene, obviously, but right. I would imagine well, that it's a lot of him in front of a green screen and on some wires and stuff like that, because you can't fake what, what they were doing with, with him in the, in the fight scenes. No, you can enhance it, but you can't fake it. Right. 
Well, no. and and in that scene in the in the bus scene um, that I absolutely love that you can tell it wasn't CGI or anything was the part where he was going to the driver's seat when the bus driver was knocked out. Oh, the the one take where yeah. he's darting through the rails of the bus and right. swinging around and then jumping into the seat. Yeah, no, that was yeah. Sick. And and it was and like he ha- you have to do it like so precisely because he barely made it through those handlebars and it was just it was just amazing to watch like I could watch him do like I could just watch him all day like perform in martial arts or just acting or anything like I, again I, he's my new man crush <laughs> those are the kind of things that like that Jackie Chan um like like started like about twenty five thirty years ago and it doesn't seem like it's a complicated stunt because he's not really in any danger or whatever like jumping through there like that but right. you you but it's a moving bus. but it's also yeah. like a very choreographed <laughs> like a very difficult to pull off choreographed like somersault through yeah. some through it some is. bars and into a bus seat and so yeah. um like i i like things like that i like when they put little easter eggs little nods to See, to mm-hmm. old school stuff like that in there yeah I saw nobody recently. And if you've seen it, there's this really intense fight scene on a bus. And I thought, Oh my gosh, so this is so cool. But now I've just seen the cooler version where it's a moving bus, you know, and there's Kung Fu and flips yeah. and stuff. And so I'm like, okay, up the ante there. You get sliced in half. And it, and there was even a, right. Yeah, I know. Which by the way, did anybody else also thought like, maybe this is a cousin to taser face from guardians of the galaxy. <laughs> Definitely. I am so sorry to. I'm sure they're not listening. The couple that was sitting behind us because Brian and I were chatting the whole time. I'm so sorry. We tried to keep it quiet. You you know what? Speaking of that, like I was actually really, really thankful. Um, This is off topic because I I definitely do think that Razor Fist and Taser Face are some sort of distant. Uh, They've got to be, yeah. Um, I, I think it would be great if they tie him in somehow. Yeah, but like we were watching that, we were watching the movie with, and Caroline was like super excited to see it. She's six and she can read, but she can't read the captions that fast. Right. So like my wife was okay. was narrating it for her, like in a really like very sweet like docile tone, and I was like, oh man, I hope somebody doesn't like get mad. The theater wasn't very full. And there was enough distance between us and the and the next group of people. I think that it was fine, right. but um, it did. It like I don't know why it caught me off guard. This is a, a movie that takes place in um, in China or in mm-hmm. an Asian country. That I want to circle back to that in a second. But there were there were a lot of there were a lot of subtitles at the very big you know at certain parts of the oh, the mm-hmm. movie yeah. and I hadn't thought about that going into it with my 6-year-old and luckily my wife was a hero and was able to like narrate it uh for her. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um so I want to I, I want to go back to what I was going to mention before. Then um, I actually have like just some few interesting facts about um, this movie, and, and also the Shang Chi, the character from the comics, and how it ties into this movie. What I think is fascinating. So going back to the fight sequence and on the bus, I don't know if anyone else picked this up, but I think there was a nod to Bruce Lee where he does the flying kick from one end of the bus to the other into Razor Fist. Did anybody notice that? No. It, it was very quick, and you, and you, and you don't see it because they didn't really like harp on it. Which, by the way, I mean, talking. We'll get back to the fighting scenes because I think there's a lot of other stuff about the fight scenes. That I think was just really amazing with this as well too. That ties into cinematography, but it was very quick because you don't see the flying kick until you get to the partition between the bus where you see it. So it was like very quick, but it was just like, it was very much a uh, reflection of what you typically see in Bruce Lee when he, I think it's like, it's either enter the dragon or another movie that you see him doing like the flying kick. Yeah, no, it is. There is, there is definitely a, a like a, a Bruce Lee style, like fight flying. Right. Kick right. In there. That was cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. And, and uh, if if we don't mind, like I'll, I'll just kind of jump in on about uh, the cinematography and the fight sequences. One of the things I absolutely thought was fantastic from a cinematographer point of view and some of the fight sequences is uh, one, like they were just amazing, but there was a couple of shots where they did these great camera angles where you thought you were watching the sequence or the, the action like right there in real time in that place. But really what was happening is you were seeing in a reflection when the transition. So there was that mm-hmm. part where uh, Katie was singing hotel California to one of the henchmen and 
And yes. it looked like you were watching them right there. But then all of a sudden, the henchman swings the uh, melee weapon towards Katie and hits a glass. And all of a sudden, it lo- you realize that you're actually looking at a reflection that whole time. Mm-hmm. And then they did the same oh, thing wow. when when we was getting revenge on those that killed his wife. Like you saw um, a lot of the action in the mirror um, and not head on. But you saw in the, like in the reflection where, you know, young Shang-Chi was kind of off to the side. But you seen the reflection. And so it, it wasn't like a trick angle. But it was really impressive of how they captured that and you didn't get the camera like reflected in that shot as well either so there, there was just a lot of stuff about the fight sequences that I thought they did great job and it was just you know the more I watch it, it the it was just it was just amazing how they did all this stuff so which interesting to note that the the, the guy who directed um, this movie mm-hmm. um, and I'm gonna go back to his name uh, it is. Daniel, uh, Destin Daniel Cretton, right, uh, had not directed a big film like this before. Right, he had been only, he'd only directed like drama pieces. Um, I know my wife and I watched my wife and I watched um, The Glass Castle, which is a really good mm. um, family uh, drama that he mm-hmm. did a few years ago, and then he directed um, Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Fox in um, Just Mercy with. Captain oh Marvel. yeah, yeah. What's, what's Captain Marvel's uh, name? I should know this. Uh, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Yes, mm-hmm. he's named after a cheese. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Um, but he um, he's a, like a native Hawaiian, mm-hmm. and um, he had not he had not directed um, like a big studio film like this before, mm-hmm. and you know probably probably there there are consultants that. Um, that you know help with like the this is what a CGI kung fu shot is going to look like or whatever. But I think what he brought to the table is like the like he specializes in telling uh, human stories right. and um, yes. like the the drama the the connections to the the, the drama and whatnot. Um, that's what that's what like we're especially good. Um, but yeah, like the whoever the whoever the stunt choreographer, second unit director, whoever these. Whoever these people were that were involved in the making of this film, lots of lots of props to all of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And speaking of like the drama between the characters and like the 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 telling of uh, just human people, Mm -hmm. I really love that the relationship they have between Katie and uh, um, Chi because like you could have so easily just forced that into be a like romantic subplot. And they didn't. I honestly find some platonic relationships more compelling and moving than some, than many romantic ones I've seen. And I just really like that. It's nice to see like the buddies, the friends who's got each other's back, no matter what, like, I love that story arc and I love that they went that route. So yeah, I absolutely think the human characters, like we're told really well and really real. And I can get behind right. them. Well, and I hope they kind of keep that platonic uh, friendship throughout the whole storyline for Shang-Chi and Katie, because I think the way they have it set up works really well. And we don't have enough of those. I feel like in the MCU that that's oh, like a great. focus, you know, like I know there are platonic friendships, but it, not to the core of the story. Like it is in this movie, you know, and, and I got to say Aquafina, like, I loved her in Crazy Rich Asians, but her character in there was like loud and obnoxious, but funny. Yeah, and, and not she's loud a caricature, and, right? In, in that movie, yeah, right, and, and and not loud and obnoxious in a in a negative way. Just like that's just how the character was, and it, it was really funny. Yeah. And she just did a great job with this one. Like she wasn't like that at all in this movie, but she was still funny and just like hit a whole range mm-hmm. of, of acting skills that I, I didn't see her be able to do in crazy rich Asians. So I'm sure she had a lot of fun doing this because it allowed her to kind of, sh- you know, showcase her skills rather than just kind of being the uh, comic relief in this too. Yeah, so. Cause she usually plays, she just plays one character. Like she plays mm-hmm. Aquafina in her, right. in most things. And um, in crazy rich Asians, she's a hyper, like a hyper version of that, um, Mm -hmm. of her own, of herself. And I think in this movie, she's a little bit more muted version of Mm -hmm. Aquafina. However, she does get the chance to actually act in this, in this movie. And it's not just good. Now, have you seen Raya and the Last Dragon? I've heard it because my children watched it in the backseat, like on a road trip. (laughs) And I've been meaning to get to it. Um, like desperately. First of all, Great movie. Better than I was expecting. Second of all, the correlations between this and Shang-Chi 
are ridiculous. Oh. Aquafine is in it. She plays Sisu, the dragon. Oh, okay. Exact same character. Exact same character. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. And but like the the these soul sucking monsters, and they have to like go to other places to con- and and like come together to work together. I'm like, there are so many correlations; it's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, this is kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. No but yeah, I recommend giving that a watch too, even just for the the connections. Right. Well, and since you mentioned that, I want to bring it. I want to bring it back around to um, like the the audience and the acceptance and like the the market ah. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have seen a an uptick in um, in representation for like Asian storytelling and Asian actors and actresses over the last uh, couple of years, especially with with how well um, and commercially accepted that like crazy crazy rich Asians was. Mm-hmm. So you know, a year ago Disney did the the remake of Mulan. Mm-hmm. And then here in the last six months, they've done Raya and the Last Dragon. And of course, now we have um, we have Shang-Chi. So like there's they're definitely they're definitely giving people a voice and giving them the opportunity to shine in a in a market here in the United States where they normally haven't ha- always had that. Mm-hmm. But they also are looking to capitalize on a, a uh, you know, a widely untapped market for revenue for, for them, uh, in, in, um, in Asia. Right. Um, and you know, and they have, they have a presence there. They have two, um, two Disney worlds in, in mainland China slash Hong Kong. Oh. There's mm-hmm. Shanghai wow. and there's, um, Hong Kong and Hong Kong. Yeah. And then there's two in, in, um, Japan as well. Right. Sean, there's Tokyo Disney Tokyo. And, and Disney sea. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, so, but, but, but they definitely have, they definitely have a presence there, but they, they are now creating, um, IP that they can have an extended, like, presence mm-hmm. for. Um, and I thought that the one of the interesting things about this movie, and I was interested going into it, is they don't really spell out, um, like the, the bad guys, like origin country of origin. He's not specifically Chinese. Like Mm -hmm. I like, Mm -hmm. um, they fly into Macau and I, I think obviously it takes place in China, but they don't go out of the way to make it like specifically like Chinese. I think that they wanted to make it as, did you notice the Easter egg flag, by the way, in that illegal fight club behind Shang-Chi when he was entering, there was the flag of Madripoor, which is the, Oh uh, my goodness. Which was in uh, Captain America. That's the place. And that's the place where Wolverine always hangs out. And also Madripoor is a non-existent place, kind of like Wakanda is. And I kind (laughs) of thought that that's maybe what they were, what they were doing. Now he says that they flew into Macau um, or the, and that they were specifically in China. Right. Um, but like, I don't, I think it was, I think it was important for them to not have like a, a very specifically Chinese villain. Right. Because when you, well, and the, in other movies like that, I think that's one of the reasons why they never made the Mandarin, a specifically Chinese villain for, um, Iron Man is because if you have, if you have a great white savior sp- fighting a specifically Chinese villain, then people in China won't want to buy your your movie tickets. Right, and so they 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 skirt they skate lightly when it comes to um, when it comes to all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, but I think they do. I, wherever some people would be would argue that that's not authentic. Like you know that you should just lean into it or whatever. Right. I think that they do a good job of uh, of of allowing allowing this to represent more than just one like specific mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Yeah. I, and my, to my Western self, this was like, my friend put it really well. This was the most Chinese movie I've ever mm-hmm. seen. Right. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, you know, what's interesting is I, I didn't catch this until I started, you know, going into like what else has Simu Liu been in. Right. And so we talked about how he's in this movie um, and he's also in Kim's convenience, which is about a Korean family. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really make the connection until I watched the show where I'm sure this is something that Asian people have to battle battle all the time is that, you know, there are different ethnicities like, you mm-hmm. know, not every Asian um, is 
the same in terms of like the physical attributes, right? And mm-hmm. so yeah. in Kim's convenience, he plays a Korean uh, male, but he's actually Chinese. He's actually and, Chinese. Right. Which there's that okay. line in, um, in Shang-Chi when he talks about when he's meeting Katie for the first time that some, you know, guy at high, in the high school, you know, said, what up, Kingdom style? Um, yeah, style. Yeah. And he's like, dude, I'm not Korean, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if, if that's kind of like a, a little snub to the fact that he put he played a <laughs> Korean guy mm-hmm. in Kim's well, convenience. You know, I and remember it, I remember it, ages ago when Memoirs of a Geisha came out, there was mm. a lot of uproar that Zhang Ziyi was playing a Japanese character. And right. she's, she's Chinese. Yeah. And um, I think that I think that that's something that you do have to like battle with. I think that they I think that they were aiming to make an authentically Chinese film with without it like being like labeled as such. Right. Because the, the majority of the cast is um, like is Chinese in some in some sort of descendants. You know, Simu but, is born in China, but he was raised in, in Canada. Right. Um mm-hmm. But it was but, it was diverse Asian though too. Yes. Like the couple that they were with, they were not Chinese exactly. Uh, so they they had a wide diversity, and 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 they actually had like just a lot of great people. Like for example, I don't know if you all remember uh, Guangbo, who was the um, kind of like the male figurehead of Talo. Mm-hmm. Um, Apparently, I read up on this guy because I remember seeing him in Kung Fu Hustle, mm-hmm. and I thought he did a great job. But I read about this guy. Apparently, he was in um, the same opera class as uh, Bruce Lee, and they did a lot of the same um, uh, fighting styles. In fact, I guess he was like his stunt double for a lot of his movies. And wow. there was a story, apparently, where um, they're um, – I, I forget what fighting style was, but their master was telling them that they had to um, do a handstand upside down and they had to hold that position. And I guess at some point the master told all the students to go ahead and, and, and get down. But um, the, the guy, gosh, I can't remember his name. I think it's one you or something like that. Um, but apparently he was still <laughs> doing a handstand cause he fell asleep <laughs> doing the handstand. So it's just like impressive. Like that's pretty like, impressive. Yeah. Just, just the, the, the amount of diversity in terms of Asian diversity they had and just the talent and all the knots that's in there. It, it's just fascinating. Cause I feel like every time I watch the movie, I learn something new about it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I was even a little note that I thought was kind of clever. I I kept messing up the name of the movie. I was like, I could not remember what it was called, but as soon as it started and then we see Mm -hmm. um, Sean like parking cars and I see his little name tag says, Sean, I went, ah, Sean. Okay. I get it. And then I didn't forget it again. And I thought what a clever way to tie in, not only to show how he's kind of like Americanized himself, but like, how it ties together because that is how if I'm watching an anime and I can't remember a name I will sometimes come up with a western or American version of the name Mm -hmm. whether in sound syllable or Mm -hmm. what have you so I thought that was a really clever way to do that most definitely yeah I I think I'm I agree with you I think that was a great way for them to kind of make it part of the story but you know help you know I I there's always going to be people that's going to either have a problem with that or get offensive, get offended by it or say like, you know, forced diversity or whatever. But it, it, I think it says a lot when they're, they're trying to do something that uh, helps you get to that point of understanding, like how to say it correctly. You know, and, and I used to be an academic advisor at a university where a third of our students were from China. And I just saw the struggle that they had with um, a lot of them took on American names. I wasn't even close to their pronunciation mm-hmm. because they're just like, it's just much easier for people to call yeah. me by an American name than to try to teach them um, how to you know pronounce it correctly. And it mm-hmm. just, and I feel for them. And I think that this was just, sure. just, you know, again, just a mind-blowing way of like how this movie is just treated with everything like i just feel like every time i watch it there's something a, new that i could pick up on it you know i have a i've i've seen that before too like we have a, a more diverse group in my school now than mm-hmm. we've ever we've ever had before and i have um, a handful of kids that i actually had two kids that moved uh in from vietnam uh, just mm-hmm. a couple of years ago and within a couple of weeks they had decided on like american names to right. be called. Mm. Um, and I also have a student uh, right now who's uh, an immigrant. His parents are 
African immigrants, and I'm not exactly sure where, but his name is much longer and hard to pronounce, but the first syllable is D-A-V, it's Dave, so mm-hmm. he just goes by Dave. Right. <laughs> now. And, and, yeah. and, and, and hey, it, it, you know, it works. But, the, you know, the, the, now that you say that, though, it makes uh, Win Wu's um, discussion about names and about the Mandarin. Yes. Like, it, it means all ah. that much more because he's talking about, he's talking about something that, um, that they, that they actually, in order to be accepted into a society that, that sees them, um, I wouldn't, not outsiders, but like differently, right. Because of, because we, like I say, I say Shang Chi in, mm-hmm. because I'm from Texas and that's just the way that, like I pronounce things and I have to be deliberate about saying it the right way, right. which is, you know, about mm-hmm. the point that Molly made. The reason they the reason they call him Sean is so that yeah. you it, it can be encouraged for you to say it the right way. But it is something that that young um, young people of different cultures have to deal with about like people learning how to say their names. And it, it, I think all of that, yeah. it's. It's very meta. It's this exists in this fictitious Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's also something that is taking place like day in and day out for a lot of people on a regular basis. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, and and on that topic of that whole conversation that when we had about names, like there's a lot of layers into that. So I, I don't know if you caught on to this, but earlier in the movie, you get to see Katie's family and like understand and find out that she like her family had moved to America, that her I, I'm assuming her grandfather, you know, had passed on and everything. And they all moved here to have like a better life and all that. And there's clearly some tension and disconnect between Katie, who is a you know, first generation American, assumingly, um, and and her family that are immigrants. But when when we was talking about, you know, what's your name and what's your Chinese name, it talks about how your name connects you to your ancestry past. Like you saw Aquafina react to that kind of she made that connection of like how her name, her Chinese mm-hmm. name is, is important because it's not like just describing her, but her family. And I think there was this a really powerful moment of how it kind of clicked for her that even though this guy is kind of a villain in a way, because he was training his own son to be assassin at the age of seven, just the profoundness of, you know, understanding, you know, that kind of impact. And so I think having this whole conversation about how this discussion about names has just so many layers to it mm-hmm. again, just shows like how great this movie has mm-hmm. been in terms of the way they wrote it, the way they thought through it. It's just, there's just so much that goes into it. That's just really mind blowing you know you isn't her Chinese name Ra Wen or something I wonder what I, whatever it was I'm curious what it means mm-hmm. I, well I know that her real name is Nora like Aquafina's real name is oh. uh is actually Nora but okay. I'm, I'm guessing that she has uh, she has a, a Chinese name um as where is she from um, the actress uh Queens she was born yeah. in New York City Um, and so, uh, cause I, some of the, some of the stuff that's been out recently about specifically about her is that she's created this character that makes liberal use of, um, like slang and, and hip hop references and cultural things that aren't Chinese that Mm -hmm. she's exploiting or cultural or appropriating other cultures for, for the character that, that she plays. Mm -hmm. Um, and you take a long look at anybody, you can find things like that. I don't think that she's doing it maliciously or whatever. She's just, she's, this is, you know, she's grew up in, in New York city, um, in the, in the nineties and early two thousands. That's she's, it's just a byproduct of her, of her environment. Not like that. She was maliciously out there looking to exploit other cultures. Right. Oh, no. And on that note, sort of with the character of Katie, a really good screenwriting, I thought, um, where it's the beginning and we're getting first impressions and Katie hops into the car and she's like, oh, I never crash. I'm the Asian Jeff Gordon. I'm like, that was a brilliant way to show how Americanized she is. Yeah. She knows who Jeff Gordon is and considers herself that. I thought, OK, I know who you are. I know where you come right. from. Okay, that was immediately made that character, and I thought that was really good. Yeah. And Sean, you you brought up a point that I want to discuss because I had a theory about this like during the movie, and I'm guessing I'm guessing there's some version of this on the editing room floor. Mm-hmm. I thought when when she, when Sean goes back and tells Katie that you know that he lied to her, that 
he did kill the guy that was responsible for his mother's death. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be a big reveal that that was Katie's dead grandfather. That's a theory that people have been talking about. And that's a question I have because you never get to see that addressed. So I, I, yeah. So I wonder if that is, I wonder if that's, if that, that there's a take of that exists, that, that, that storyline was just cut because it didn't help move the narrative forward or it may have created an unnecessary conflict between those two characters. Right. Um, but like when, when he was, when he was like, like, you know, in his own thought, excuse me, when he was in his own thoughts about it, I thought for sure, uh, I leaned over to Kathy and I was like, Oh, I bet you he's going to admit that he killed Katie's grandfather. Right. And then right. that's a cool the, story. Yeah, <laughs> I thought, I think that would have been great, but yeah. I can see where like the, with a, a two hour plus running time already that it probably didn't need any more. Um, there might be a way to confirm that. What was the guy drinking when, uh, well, no, he wasn't in the bar. Shoot. No, he wasn't. Because I remember the line from the grandma being like, I left a thing of whiskey mm-hmm. and it was taken. Mm-hmm. You know, so he clearly likes whiskey. Mm-hmm. So if there's any way to like confirm that this guy, did he like walk up into the compound with a bottle of whiskey I, I don't or know. something? Cause yeah. like, I don't know. Well, and we don't even it. know if, if he was even in that scene. Cause it yeah. just said, you just, you assumed True. it's him, but he just said the iron gang or the iron clan. Yeah, right. Yeah, there but but yeah. we don't actually know if that was the person in charge or he just happens to be representative of that, too. Yep. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they left that open to see if that's something they want to toy with with a future movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see it go either way. Honestly, I hope that it, that's not the case, because I think that would create really bad tension with the with a great character development. But mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Who knows what would come of that? So, yeah. Um so I, I thought real quick, and I was doing some research about Sung Chi from the comics and and the movie here, and wanted to touch on a few things real quick. So, so a couple things about the movie itself is apparently for the MCU, this was uh, this movie had the lowest marketing budget, but ends up being one of the highest grossing films, especially during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think is phenomenal. Um, and it was so successful that Sony, which has nothing to do with the MCU other than, you know, Spider-Man, but again, not really directly tied into Shang-Chi at this point. It was so successful that not only did Sony decide not to postpone their movie, but they moved it up to mm-hmm. October 1st from October 15th. So they moved yes. Venom up, the what? new Venom movie. Yeah, I noticed that oh. too. And I thought about that yesterday when the, when the news broke on that, mm-hmm. that they had moved the, the movie up. I was like, oh, they're they're trying to strike while, while the iron is hot, while while people are excited about the MCU and about Shang-Chi and everything. They're, they're trying to jump on that right. bandwagon. Right, yeah. But what I what I thought was really interesting when I was doing the research about Sung Chi and this movie is that from what I've read, so the character Sung Chi seems to be somewhat accurate in terms of the character in that he's a master of kung fu, of martial arts, um, but his father is different than what's um, in the movie. I think the character uh, Wen Wu may have been created scratch mm-hmm. from scratch. Um, and Shang Chi has never actually interacted with the Ten Rings, and the the Ten Rings was was uh, tied to the Mandarin, so it's kind of mm-hmm. indirectly tied into it. But in the comics, Shang Chi was never actually associated with the Mandarin at all, and the Ten Rings for the Mandarin was actually like rings that he wore on his fingers, and not right. rings they wore on his arms. And so I thought that was really fascinating that this is actually going to be a movie that is influenced by the comics, but I think we're going to see they're going to have a lot more um, liberal approach to being able to create like brand new content Mm -hmm. that's inspired from the comics especially with the fact that you know with the mid credit scene when you find out that the rings were you know sending a message to something using Mm -hmm. a beacon again that was nothing from the comics I've been able Mm -hmm. to find or anything like that so I think we're going to see that there's going to be some original content that's going to keep us all on our toes because you know, we can kind of speculate, but there's nothing that we can say. This is exactly from this comic arc or this comic story. I mean, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has kind of been combining things together anyway, right. like putting this fake stone into the Tesseract yes. or whatever, yeah. kind of like just making it a little more streamlined, which I'm all about. Like, I, it, it, what to make a movie work? I understand you kind of got to cut things, make things work. Right. So, yeah, it's 
it's from what I understand, the 10 rings are originally like individual rings on fingers. Each one could control like wind, earth, this, that. And my guess is they were trying to stay away from that. So it didn't seem so much like an infinity gauntlet kind of situation. I I think you're exactly right. I Um, think that was one of the conversations that they had was they were trying to stay away from making it seem like that, which I I think they did a brilliant job of doing it this way. So, And I I think that they make, they make, okay. Shang-Chi is, um, knows Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. But he's not uh, without the without the ten rings. He lacks like the the power, I guess, to really like be an Avenger. Um, you know what I mean? Like, although in the I comics mean, he was an Avenger without that. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But I think and, it's and less... this is what I would argue. I'm sorry, Kevin, but like no, no, this is this is something I would argue because I hear people all the time say like I don't understand why Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow <laughs> is Avenger when you look at Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. I just want to be like, look. God from space. I know. Let, let, let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy and let's look at all the powers they have. Like none. Exactly. <laughs> at all, except for Groot, who, you know, like mm-hmm. he's the only one that has any sort of power. So it's just like, I, I don't understand why people get hung up on those two characters and Avengers, but Guardians of the Galaxy is like completely fine. <laughs> so. <laughs> I guess because they have future space, yeah, well, space future, weapons, you know, space tech. yeah, space tech. But still, like, <laughs> I, yeah. and they look, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah. So it's just, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there with no, that. No, no, you're but, fine. Like, I, to- I totally get that. I, yeah. I think that that's a valid case when people. That's a valid argument when people like me bring up the fact that like he doesn't really fit. He doesn't really fit the squad if he doesn't have that power. I mean, I could make a, a side argument that it's weird that Katie will tag along to all of his adventures now. And she she doesn't even know Kung Fu. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, but she's just she's like a no. sidekick. She can drive, though. She, she can, can drive. drive. And she learned how to shoot a bow and arrow. That's like, true. And now they, don't, now they don't need Hawkeye anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if they were like connecting that like she's got really good hand eye coordination with driving, which helps connect to bone oh that's a good that's point i wish they had made that a little more clear because if that's what they're going for great right cool, cool. Awesome. <laughs> but i will say that i think i think what all of this does is it builds the groundwork for um a very international avengers five right like with with shang chi and miss marvel and uh captain the new captain america what? Mm-hmm. Um, the new, the new black widow, like it's literally going to be like their logo is going to be like the Olympic rings, right. um, <laughs> just with all the colors, with all the colors of the, of the nation's flags out there. Right. Um, yeah. and I think, I think that it's a good, I think it's a step in the right direction for, for Marvel. It's not, not just for the sake of diversity and change, but they mm-hmm. also understand that, that the the more people that you can the more people that you can say okay I see myself in this character the more people that you can reach with that the more people will show up to to your films I mean right. we we can look we can look yeah. back no further than um when when Black Panther was released and the fervor that that had in the African American community because there was finally somebody that looked like them so right. Yeah. And what I love about that and when you're promoting diversity in a uh, organic mm-hmm. way, when you're like just opening up the world, you're basically showing people what's already mm-hmm. there. Right. You know, it's not like you're it's not like you're forcing it into a position that's not natural. Like you need to enjoy this or otherwise, you know, you're a bad person. Nobody's going to mm-hmm. enjoy anything that's being forced down their throat. But if you just say here's a chapter of the world you may have never seen before mm-hmm. that's when i'm like oh how intriguing or what have you you know it wasn't like it did not feel mm-hmm. forced right. it felt completely natural and that's when i think diversity is really going to bloom mm-hmm. in a storytelling context mm-hmm. exactly we yeah. talked about this with dr howard about about like you know madden suggested like look we don't need to like make other we don't need to make other characters different races because there are there are characters of different races that already exist, we just need to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Let them so. tell their stories. Yeah, and I think that's how it's going to happen. Yeah, naturally. All right. So good discussion on Shang Chi, guys. Yeah, this is a yeah, this, is this is a, a lot of fun. It was longer than I anticipated it would it would be, but that's how good the movie is. Is that we we just got into the conversation <laughs> and we we couldn't like like the the maze into Talo. We couldn't find our way out. 
Exactly. It ate us up. That's right. <laughs> New fear of mine. New fear of mine. The, the trees forest. like collapsing, yeah. Auntie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, do either of you guys have any uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode of the Caption Life? Um. To get it on Blu-ray, that's all I our know. guests on Disney Plus. <laughs> you know, I, I do believe that I will still buy the Marvel movies on Blu-ray just in case, Probably. just in case something drastic happens and we we lose like the power grid or like the the World Wide Web. Yeah, Kevin Kevin's very much a doomsday kind of person. Not, <laughs> I don't have like I don't have like creamed corn in a basement, like cans and cans and cans. But I do have I do have a, an extensive Blu-ray and DVD collection. Right. More, more, you know, hardware, quote unquote, in terms of like '90s technology, just to mm, fall back correct. on. I still have a VCR. Yeah. Yay! But, but I always remind Kevin, I was like, but if if an EMP bomb ever goes off, then you know that's pretty much useless too. As, you know what? I've got I've got two children and uh, a stationary bike that <laughs> that I will I will engineer it to run. It. Run electricity like you guys got to pedal hard if you want to watch Shang Chi right. on Blu-ray. Oh, great! That's so yeah. good. Um, All right, I, I will say there's still a lot of questions I have, which which we don't have to go into these because I know we've 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 talked you know quite a long time already. But I think there's still questions that are either going to be left unanswered or it's going to kind of be indicative of something that's coming up later, right? So first of all, Bruce Banner no longer. Professor Hulk, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, that's the moment that everybody was talking about, like, where there's a big gasp that you read about in the article. Like, what happened there? So, obviously, yeah. there's a lot of speculation on that going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The end credit scene where you see Shaolin takes over the Ten Rings instead of dismantling it, like Shang-Chi thought, I find very interesting because I know my wife asked me, she's like, so does that mean, like, she's going to become a villain? I'm like, I honestly don't know. Because... I think so. I, I think they're setting up to be like she could be a villain, mm-hmm. or she could just be a force to be reckoned with, and she could go either way. Who wants to see Yelena Belova fight Jalen? <laughs> Which in the future? Ooh. Um, it, you know what's funny is as I was watching the whole movie, I was kind of I was starting to get disappointed because I was like, I was like. Shaoling is actually getting upstaged by Shang-Chi because she is like on equal footing with mm-hmm. Shang-Chi. So like the whole time I was watching the movie, I was like, I'm kind of disappointed about that part. But then when I saw the end credit scene and she took over 10 rings, I was just like, okay, that, that actually mm-hmm. makes it a little bit better because they're, they're setting it up to where she's, you know, going to be kind of on her own and, and showing that, you know, she's a force and, to be working with there. Yeah. Right? And she still has razor fist. Right. <laughs> to hang out with to do her bidding. Razor face. Razor fist totally sounds like one of the bad guys from like the Masters of the Universe, though. Yes. <laughs> but did you guys notice in Talo when like the soul sucking monsters were coming down and he was trying to fight them? And they're like, your weapons will do no good. You need to listen to us. And he tries to fight and then he. Okay, what do we need to do? <laughs> this exact same vibe of like Captain America landing on the hood of the car yes. and being like, I need men in these buildings. We need to put a perimeter. Who do I need to listen to you? Okay, I need men in these buildings. So I was like, yep, yep, yep. Same vibe. And he yep. breaks off he breaks off of his his razor fist and replaces it with like the yes. dragon scales. That was like cool. that they're just they're just immediately interchange interchangeable. He's got right. like a we do adapt, bro. Yep. They should have just called him Swiss Get Army Fist. <laughs> oh, that's not bad either. Band name called it. Swiss Army like Fist. <laughs> now performing on the side stage, Swiss Army Fist. <laughs> playing their number one hit. I don't have a hit. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> right. I should have thought that out. We, we should work together. <laughs> that's the name of yeah. it. We should work together. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's just a lot of, like, do we even know who sent the postcard to Shang-Chi yet? Like, I think we assume it's Wenwu, but I don't think it's ever got confirmed. Oh, do we ever see Wenwu's handwriting? Could we like, I don't know. No, but it does seem like that they played, that he played the the kids against each other to get them in the same place. Maybe. I mean, and it could be, but like, I don't think it ever got confirmed. So I wonder if they intentionally left that open for like another story in the future. It's possible. I think they yeah. implied it by the fact that he needed both pendants. Right. I don't think uh, Razor Fist wrote it <laughs> if he's a writer. 
painstaking with the with the knife and the hand. I don't no, know. he just he, he has, just would have took the blade off and put a pin he, on his. He has hand. a deluxe. <laughs> he has a deluxe quill that he puts in there. He right. also. <laughs> He also has he also has an iPad stylus. He also has an iPad stylus yeah. he can put on there, and you know, oh, it's great crayon. Yeah. Who do you think des- who do you think designed all of the artwork for his car? He did that on an iPad Pro yeah. with Procreate yeah. with Procreate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What do you think, boss? Is it pretty good? I think it's pretty good. Razor fist. <laughs> oh man! So inspiring artist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, you should see my watercolors. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't reveal who the Death Dealer was. He kind of got a um, yeah, that was an unceremonious, an unceremonious uh, like uh, cool death. Yeah. Metal. Metal. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice? Like there is a there's a character from and we're gonna we're going down the rabbit hole now. There is yeah. a character from Daredevil that has a very similar like Kabuki mask um uh thing that Daredevil fights in the first season of um of the Netflix series. And I wanna say his name is Akiri. Um but he I remember oh. because I read I read the Mark Wade and Chris Samney Daredevil series, and I just thought that the that the the artwork that Chris Samney did to like show that fight and like how great the choreography and from the panels was that right. the Daredevil fights him in um, in the television series as well. And I thought I thought maybe that there was some sort of connection for from the two of those, but um, yeah. there's definitely there's a kindred spirit out there in the in the in the hand right yeah but the hand the hand is a japanese um yes gang oh, too wow. though so right yeah so there might not be any correlation or may, maybe no correlation whatsoever but yeah but seriously the the mask um like seemed very familiar to me you, you know what's interesting since you brought up death dealer is there was something that i caught that i wonder if they're going to explore this a little bit but um, what's interesting is that, you know, I, I think we see in superheroes the whole mantra of like, you know, we don't want to be like the bad guys and kill people. Right. Um, even though they kill people all the time. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is that in that scene where he where Sung Chi had Death Dealer pinned down, he was actually getting ready to stab him and potentially kill him until his father comes and intervenes. Mm-hmm. So I wonder mm-hmm. if we're going to see that as a theme later on where he's going to struggle with kind of trying to push away getting back into it. right yeah. yeah you know because i mean he's a trained assassin and so that's kind of his thing but i mean he hesitated he thought about like all the things that he'd done to him when he was growing up but then he was about to kill him and so i wonder if that's going to be a theme they're going to explore later right. on is you know him trying to suppress um his training of like killing people and try not let to, like try to like dismantle that from his um from his uh mental processing you know so yeah yeah, yeah. It's hard to imagine the kid that was doing karaoke of a uh, whole new world was also playing faces in Sean versus Sean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. This is this was a great conversation. And I feel like we could talk like Fun. like more like for hours about this because I feel like there's just so much more to unpack, but yeah. I would love to, but I have an opening shift yeah. tomorrow. Mm, yeah, I think they call and my commute is a lot longer now that I'm. Yes. <laughs> oh well. Well, yeah, I, on I that also, note, then I also don't work from home anymore either, so right, I got to get mm. up and face. But you know what? Tomorrow is dressed like a rock star day for like Spirit Day on my campus, and nice. so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be putting some like blue uh, stuff into my hair and maybe into my my mustache and stuff, so I can look real metal. Do it. Yeah, I'll send pictures. Yes, <laughs> post it on the social. Yeah. So if you if you just listen to this review, check out our check out our our uh, Instagram and and Twitter for pictures of of me with <laughs> with blue rock with blue rock star hair. Yeah. Hey, so that It'll be the new MC hero, <laughs> right? Smurf, Smurf guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Smurf and the rocker. Smurf yeah. guy. I should wear like red red pants. 
and uh, uh, white hat. Maybe, yeah, uh, yeah, the white hat. <laughs> yep, I'd, I'd see a band that was called that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a band from Parks and Rec. <laughs> they went open to Swiss Army, Swiss Army Fist. Fist. They're not yeah. there yet. They're not there yet. <laughs> Singing. Singing the the sweet melodies of Far Far Away. Here is Papa Smurf and the the Rockers. Okay, right. singing their hit title. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're we're just friends, Kevin. Um, that would actually be on the Swiss Army Fist album. There would be a song called yeah. "We're We're Just Friends, Kevin." <laughs> And that's going to wrap up another episode of The Caption Life. We hope you enjoyed listening. Please don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption Life. If you like what we're doing, give us a shout out. Tag us in a post. For more info on us and all of our previous episodes, including episode 40 with Molly Farnsley, uh, you can go visit thecaptionlife.com. Until next time, uh, go see Shang-Chi. Yes, do it. Do it.